baseball fans, Ari Masuti here alongside Brett Nevitt. As we get you set for baseball season 2021, we do hope that it has been off to a great start for you and yours. I know we're all excited that the uh, the men of the spring, the boys of summer, they are coming into their own here. As practice is about to start this week, Brett. I know you're excited about that. I know you've been looking forward to it. Um, this should be a, a lot of fun as Florida State has uh, a lot of potential this season. Yeah, I'm 21 now and we're less than 30 days till the season so it's a good time right now and we're looking for, looking at a good season coming up especially with the schedule out now yeah happy belated birthday by the way i know uh as of today same uh, to you yeah thanks man yeah, you're uh, a lot we don't older. at this point we don't really like to talk about birthdays uh once you get to my age uh, i'm sure a lot of people just rolled their eyes who are older and, and listening to this <laughs> uh life is good for me as well we're, we're having a lot of fun and, and when baseball season comes around uh it definitely becomes even more exciting. So, um, yeah, Brett's birthday was last Thursday, I believe. Friday. Well, Friday. I went in the fountain Thursday night. Though. Thursday night, Friday, yeah. Some friend I am for, for not really knowing when your birthday is. I do know you're 21, and uh, mine was uh, over the weekend as well. So um, we want to talk about what to expect with Florida State. Um, here are the things that uh, we have on tap for this episode. We've got a, a schedule preview of sorts, uh, talking about the 49-game schedule that was announced recently by Florida State. Um, we want to talk about some rankings and some preseason awards. Uh, we are going to have Robbie Martin, an outfielder for for the baseball team, one of the best players on the team. Uh, he will he will be sitting down with Brett. Uh, that should be a really fun interview. And then we'll preview the outfield. That's something I know we wanted to do was uh, to talk about you know position previews, outfield, infield, um, and then of course on the mound as well. And and you can expect some interviews throughout the next couple of weeks. Is uh, no be- no one better to hear it from than the players themselves. And then, of course, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and uh, some things are changing and it's flexible and and always evolving. So uh, we'll touch on that as well. We are on Apple Pods. We are on Google Pods and uh, Spotify as well. Those are three of the main. And uh, we've always thanked, we've been thankful for your listenership and we would appreciate if you could share this with your friends and uh, spread the word about Sunday Golds. Another thing I want to mention uh, partnering up with Madison Social, uh, they have created some really cool Sunday Golds. Uh, t-shirts and tanks. Uh, you can find that at madisonsocial.com slash sunday dash golds, madisonsocial.com slash sunday dash golds, or email uh, matt at forthetable.com. Uh, and uh, he does a great job over there, and, and we're really appreciative of his partnership with us. They are some pretty sweet shirts, and uh, you want to make sure you get those as uh, Florida State baseball and softball uh, wear the Sunday golds uh, every season as a tradition. All right, a lot of a lot of uh, logistics there to get through, but now we're ready to talk about baseball. And for Florida State, the schedule came out. Brett, 49 games were announced. I know that we were hoping to get as many as we could to a to a normal schedule that we could. SEC actually announced a, a full a full schedule, as did some other conferences. But 49 games, not too bad, and maybe there's some talk of a, a potential 50th. Yeah, so. FSU lost their third game with Florida, that normal game, the neutral site game in Jacksonville. Um, I believe it was just based off of logistics and just it's not really – don't think it's very uh, logical this year to go do that. Um, But FSU is not going to schedule a third game with Florida. They will get that game back next year, though, in Jacksonville. Um, But I've heard that Florida State is looking to schedule – one more non-conference home game. Um, FSU only has one away non-conference game, which is at Florida. So that's really nice how they scheduled that. But, you know, I would just expect another in-state opponent to come in, maybe another game with JU or another game with Stetson or one of those schools. Probably something that just it's easy and it's more logical than going and playing a neutral site game with a team you're already playing multiple games against. Yeah, and I look at this home schedule for Florida State and it's got some some decent matchups when you looked at that schedule Brett what were some of the what were some of the names that jumped out at you yeah well I think it's I think it'll be interesting to open the season up with Mike Bell you know former Florida State pitching coach will be the first ACC uh, home weekend series for Florida State and then you know the very next um, weekend is Virginia and that's a team that a lot of people are really high on this year and that should be a really good series and then you know that last um I believe our last weekend series at home is against Clemson. So there's definitely some exciting series at home this year. That Virginia one will probably be the highest matchup of ranked teams, I would think, um, uh, in the ACC-wise. But, um, you know, and then there's an interesting series with Troy late in the season, uh, you know, late April, early May. 
as their second non-conference weekend. And, you know, Troy is a good program, and I'm sure that will be another good test late in the season. Yeah, I think Virginia, for me, jumps out, as you mentioned, just because um, they've given Florida State a problem uh, in Tallahassee always. It's It's been uh, tough battles all the time, and um, I know that's a, a proud program, and uh, Virginia should be should be a fun three-game set there. Another one that I thought was interesting, I think the UCF matchup, uh, not a series, but a Wednesday game, uh, March 24th. And um, yeah, I think uh, they had a team last year, Brett. I know you're from the Orlando area. Well, you're from the Tampa area. You're from Central Florida. Um, you've kept up with some some people that you know at UCF. That was a team last year that had a lot of potential, and they were playing really well when the season ended. Um, they could be a, a tough midweek game for Florida State. Yeah, and I think their team that, you know, they feel like they have something to prove, just like a lot of other non-conference teams that come in and play against Florida because you just have so many Florida kids on all these other teams. But, you know, FSU was supposed to play UCF right as the season was going to end last year, and that was something that I know guys on both sides were really looking to looking forward to, and uh, they were really upset that they didn't get to dish it out there. And, you know, that was just a series that – a lot of national people were looking at too as something that was going to be important to the rankings. So that that will be a big big midweek game that I I would expect Florida State to throw out their best guys at, at UCF. Yeah, and then North Carolina coming to town April second through the fourth. Um, that I remember the last time Carolina came to town because I actually was on the call for those for those games in that series um, in Tallahassee. It was actually, it was quite a few years ago. Uh, and I want to say it was like maybe 2017 or 2018. Yeah, I was still in high school. I think. Yeah. Michael yeah. Bush was the player that Carolina had at the time that was really good. And I, I remember it because Carolina swept Florida state, but the last two games, uh, were really, really competitive. And, uh, I know there were some heroics from Bush and both of those, um, that Friday night game, actually, you might remember the name. I think it's JB, uh, Bukoskis, maybe, yeah. uh, one of the top, who does he yeah. pitch for right now in the MLB? Um, Orioles? Is he is he Diamondbacks Orioles? or someone? Yeah. I know he's in the majors, but that was a big deal because he came in and his first fastball was 99 miles an hour. And, uh, he really shoved against Florida state that Friday night. It was a, it was a good matchup. The Knowles, I think lost something like three to one or four to two. It was a close game, but, um, anytime UNC comes to Tallahassee, it's a lot of fun because that's also a name brand program, a team with Omaha, um, pedigree and Mike Fox, uh, who is now retired, uh, coach Forbes takes over for him, um, has really established the Tar Heels as one of the better programs traditionally and historically in college baseball. All right, Brett. So we've talked a little bit about the, uh, the home games. Oh, one more that actually caught my eye. Boston college. You might remember BC won the series in Tallahassee the last time they were here. I believe that was two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those, uh, I don't want to say head scratchers because, uh, Coach does a great job over there as well. Um, Gambino. Gambino's really, really great guy. Nice dude and a, lot, a high energy man um, that I think instills that into his program and into his kids. Uh, they're always scrappy. And every now and then I feel like you see Boston College in like a regional and uh, they're playing like a 23 inning game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, they got, they have a trio of guys that could all be first round picks this year with uh, Morissette, the infielder, Frelick, the outfielder, and then Pelio, their Friday night starter. And, Pelio was the guy that shut down Florida State on Sunday two years ago, and that was really like his breakout outing. And you know that was just a that was a head scratcher. But <laughs> you know I just think they're always that was my breakout program last year that I thought was going to break out in the ACC, but they had a slow start to the season. But they also had a tough schedule. I think they played in Arizona or something, and all their games were away, and they just they never got to play at home. But yeah, that'll be another good series. I mean, there's just I, it's, ACC is really dip, deep this year, in my opinion. I actually won't ever forget uh, doing the pregame um, coaches meetings with Coach Gambino, and I asked, how did you get Paleo <laughs> to Boston College? I said, how do you get a guy like that? Like, yeah, how did you well, find him? And he goes, he looks at me and goes, what? What, Boston College can't get kids too? And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I believe, I believe. I, I believe <laughs> not what though, I meant, Coach, not what I meant. Yeah, but I believe, I believe Paleo went to a Jesuit school in California, and Boston College is a Jesuit college, and that was a big thing for him. Because, you know, I came from Jesuit school in, in Florida, so uh, there's definitely that connection there, and I think that's why Pelio ended up there. But I'm sure Gambino just thinks it was because their recruiting is elite. Yeah, definitely. And uh, BC's actually started to really invest into that baseball program. I know I think it was this. Nice facility. Yeah, was it this offseason that yeah. they improved their locker room? And mm -hmm. um, 
I know Pete Frady's, uh, it's, uh, it's a name over there, um, who, who died from ALS, but, um, they have really, uh, endowed with, with his organization to, to help that, that French, that program, I should say as well, uh, Boston college really investing in baseball. All right. Well, Clemson too. I, I think we need to mention that that's May 14th to 16th. That is the last, uh, home series for Florida state. And, uh, yeah, I feel like Clemson and Florida state always just kind of, and tell me if I'm wrong, Brett, it's just always meant a lot. And not just because, you know, we've got this budding rivalry in football and, um, Florida state Clemson are close in proximity, you know, and only about six and a half hours from each other. But like, it feels like Florida state Clemson always has like something important happening that weekend, whether it's 11, 11 needing to get the record or they're battling for like a regional host or super regional spot. Or Drew Martin. I mean, Drew Mendoza dunking all over Clemson. Right. The weekend that FSU had to have like that turnaround. Yeah. And Florida State swept them. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story about that one as well. Since uh, I was doing sideline that weekend and Clemson was yelling all sorts of curse words into the Florida State dugout. They Dabo got, was in there, you know, just saying <laughs> all of his God, stuff. don't even get me started on Dabo. But I remember Clemson took an early lead in that one. And they started talking all sorts of smack to the Florida State dugout. And Drew Mendoza yelled, oh, hell no. I'm serious. Yelled, oh, hell no. To the rest, gathered everybody at, like, the, the, the door that leads to the clubhouse where Florida State, you know, they used to be on the first base side. And I remember when they came out of, like, that team meeting in between innings, they just came out like a different monster. Florida State hit, like, back-to-back home runs. And from then on, the sweep was – that weekend, the sweep was happening. And so – um, Florida State Clemson always has uh, a lot of emotion. I know when eleven won, when eleven got that record up there at Doug Kingsmore Stadium, that uh, Monday it was a Saturday Sunday Monday series, and that Monday game the rubber match ended in a walk off by the what was his name uh, Green the second baseman maybe mm-hmm. little guy five he's like five seven five eight and he hits yeah. a monster home run to walk off Florida State in extra innings and so Knowles Tigers you mark that on your calendar it means a little bit extra. And uh, let's be honest, man, May 14th to the 16th, you're probably talking about two teams that could be battling for NCAA tournament and regional host opportunities. All right, so away games. Um, I'm looking at some of these now. Um, it's a much tougher away schedule, in my opinion, Brett, than home schedule. Well, the big thing is FSU's home schedule last year was going to be really good, and they had more of their easier series away and then you know they just I mean you just lose a whole season of those away of the way the way series so they really are in a tough situation there but you know hard series away just they present good opportunities for Florida State to leave a mark on their RPI and all that stuff yeah no no doubt about that and uh, Florida State has struggled on the road the last few years in ACC play um, really the records for the Knolls uh, over the last four or five years in the ACC have not been all that impressive. Uh, what they've been able to do is get hot in the ACC tournament and kind of springboard that into making a run in the uh, NCAA regionals and then, of course, super regionals in Omaha. Um, this year's going to be tough again. Um, is there a series on the road that you feel like is particularly particularly the toughest? Yeah, it's hard between Louisville and Miami just because, you know, Miami is that rivalry. But And I think Louisville might be the little better team this year just because Miami losing a lot of their weekend guy, I think their whole weekend rotation, but Miami also brings in a really good recruiting class. But, you know, both those both those teams, every every time you play at those places, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, FSU has had some good games at Louisville lately, but they've also had some really bad games. I mean, I think the last time they played at Louisville, it was like every game was a 10-run deficit or something like that. It was like FSU lost the first game by 10, and they won the second game by 12, and they lost the last game by 10. So... You never really know what you're going to get when you're going to Louisville. Miami, it's, it's always going to be – I think it's just going to be a tough battle down there. And, you know, it sometimes it can get nasty and you, you just never know what's going to happen. And, you know, hopefully we're down there in Miami for that or something like that. Yeah, I know we definitely want to make a couple of these trips that we can. Louisville and Florida State has meant a lot as well. Like it always feels like there's something on the line, whether it was uh, – Tyler. do you remember Tyler Holton shoving against them twice – it was like in a span of maybe like five days that he's six mm-hmm. days that he saw Louisville twice because uh, what year was it when FSU had to finish the year at Louisville and then had the ACC tournament that was at Louisville mm-hmm. and the Knowles were struggling a little bit 
They I beat, believe they won the series of Louisville. Right, the Sunday game, I think. Or they the, swept them in two games. Didn't one game get canceled? One game got, yeah. like, rained out, and then they faced Louisville in front of, like, 13,000 people at Holton Shoves against... Who was it against? Was it against McKay, maybe? maybe. Brendan McKay, yeah. I think, who is uh, now with the, the Rays? Yes. You would know that. So... Um. Yeah, Louisville, Florida State's always been a, a fun matchup. There's there was that one time Kyle Funkhauser came to Tallahassee as this like heralded pitcher, and Florida State had like 15 hits and eight runs off of him in Tallahassee. Um, the Knolls have actually played Louisville really tough uh, historically, especially when they've been in the ACC. But you could argue that Louisville's been the most consistent program in the ACC yeah. since they've joined. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. Um, you know, and there's other good series. There's our other tough series on the road. Virginia Tech's a team that just seems like they're always going to hit. And playing in Virginia, playing at Blacksburg is never never seems that fun. Early March too. Yeah. It's probably still that's, cold. I believe that's FSU's first road ACC. Yeah, it's FSU's first. Actually, be FSU's first road games at all because you know they only play that one against Florida in the road. And then Georgia Tech's going to be. I'm sure Georgia Tech will have a good team this year. Don't know exactly what they'll have on the pitching side, but I think they'll hit good. You know, Gorilla James ball. Ramsey is yeah. up there as their hitting coach now, and I'm sure he's doing a good job also as recruiting coordinator. So, I mean, it's just a tough – it's a tough schedule all around, in my opinion, ACC-wise. Um, I think FSU's non-conference schedule is favorable, most, getting almost every single game at home. But, you know, you just, you just got to go win tough games in tough places to be a good team, and I think FSU is a good team this year. And a lot of it's just going to come down to how they field and how they play under pressure, pressure situations. I feel like I always look up at Georgia Tech and they're like top ten in the country in home runs. Like they, they usually have four or five guys. It's that a you're bounce like, house there. I feel like like at yeah, that, their Chandler stadium. Is, yeah, I feel like the last time I watched, I think it was Auburn that played there in a super regional a couple of years, and it was like homer after homer after homer. So I'm sure that will be another high score, uh, high scoring weekend potentially. So like that was that at regional two years ago that Auburn had the crazy comeback and like a yeah, walk off. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, it was like Georgia Tech, Auburn, and Coastal Carolina all had like wild weekends there. Um, three or four games that were that came down to the wire. I do like that Florida State gets Notre Dame in May on the road because Notre Dame has been a brutal place to play baseball when FSU gets them in like early March. Um, it's usually like fifteen degrees out, maybe snowing a little bit. Um, and Notre Dame, for whatever reason, has always played Florida State tough um, over the years. And so I kind of like that it's going to be – it should be warmer in May, I think, in South Bend, Indiana. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, we can expect that. No, definitely not as bad as it would be if it was in, like, March. So, yeah, that, those are the the big games. I know, Brett, you had, schedule, you had circled on the schedule NC State. Um, Florida State doesn't usually play NC State this late in the year. Uh, on the road. May, it's the last series, May 20th through 22nd. Um, but I feel like NC State always like has a great first half of the season. They start out like 25 and four and people are like, man, this NC State team could really go to Omaha. And then they finish like 10 and 15 to end the season. And everyone's like, ah, well, this team's going to lose in a regional. Maybe yeah. That'll probably be a series that has a lot of implications on you know, ACC tournament right before you go into that and postseason and every all the seating and everything. So I'm sure that will be another big one. I just NC State's a team that's always going to hit. So, I mean, you just got to go in there and pitch well. You just got to play good defense. Yeah, I think uh, D1 baseball has NC State 13th to start the uh, the beginning of the season. But as we know with NC State baseball, they usually uh, melt down. So uh, I'm going to count on it and bank on that happening again. Um, all right, so... <laughs> Uh, UF, I know I, I put this down in our notes today, um, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Florida State's going to play one home game and one away game. Uh, this time, though, Florida State gets the home game first uh, in the, I think it's in March, is that like the second weekend of Mar- March? The second March week of 16th. March? Yeah, so uh, March 16th in Tallahassee. It's not in April as it usually is in Tallahassee. And then uh, Tuesday, April 13th, I actually am really looking forward to that one because I'd like to go and just check out Florida Ballpark, uh, the new stadium that the Gators built. That uh, It looks beautiful uh, based on the videos and the pictures. It's it's definitely nicer than a lot of minor league ballparks um, at that level too. So, like, um, those are the two games you're getting. I know they've canceled the one in Jacksonville, which is a it's kind of a bummer because that's a lot of fun. Um, usually you get a couple thousand Florida State fans, a couple thousand Gator fans, and um, – 
it feels like the game in Jacksonville is always the most competitive one of of the three. It feels like FSU at UF plays really well, and then in Tallahassee it doesn't go as well. But in Jacksonville, it's uh, it seems like a fifty fifty split over who wins um, that one, at least historically. Brett, forty nine games. Tell me, what is your early thought on how many Florida State can win in the regular season? Hey man, forty nine. We're going for forty nine and zero. It should be easy. Should people put wagers on that? Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. No, but you know, I do like the non conference schedule. Mm, you know, you, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get with midweek games, but FSU is so deep as a pitching staff that you know they could go nine pitchers and in nine innings, and I think every single one of them would give them a good inning. Um, you know, I think FSU should win most of their home series. They should win. At, I mean, really should. But and then the, I, you know, just don't get swept. If you just don't get swept on road series, then you should be fine. But um, there are definitely some tough road series that you should be that they could be worried about. And I'm sure they'll have circled and, you know, they'll need to play their best baseball to go in there and win series. But I uh, somewhere around 30 to, I don't know, 30, 33. It's tough with baseball to predict records sometimes. But, you know, I just think if they can win enough of their ACC series, the majority of their ACC series will be fine in the rankings. And if they take care of their, their stuff when they play non-conference, that they'll be they'll be fine. Yeah, I actually think the pitching staff gives me hope that they're going to... They'll be in every game. I just think they'll be in every game. Which is why, I I know you hesitated a little bit to say 33 to 35. I think they can win 33 to 35. And it's because of that pitching staff. I mean, you're looking at, what, 33 and 16, 34 and and 15, something like that. I I think they can because that pitching staff, in my opinion, and and we'll get into those previews throughout the rest of the preseason before the games start, but... This pitching staff has a chance to not just be one of the best Florida State pitching staffs that they've ever had. I think it has a chance to be a top five staff in the entire country just because of what it can bring and so much depth. So, yeah, let me go with – I will safely pick – I don't know it's early. Let me go with 33 wins, 33 and 16. That that to me seems doable, Um, and I think the offense does take a step forward as well this year um, just because of the experience they have coming back. All right, Brett, uh, ninth – in the rankings for baseball america but 24th in the rankings in d1 baseball and 22nd in perfect game um i'm confused a little bit i know you and i have had conversations about this all right there are not there are not 23 better baseball teams than florida state i i would be shocked and looking at some of these um, other teams ahead of FSU, I kind of laughed a little bit. Um, the disrespect is real. I know we we talk about basketball and how much disrespect they get, but um, I know it's also tough for some of these national writers to to be able to know everything that's going on and um, to keep tabs on 300 baseball teams that they do have to do. But Brett, tell me why, in your opinion. Florida State is way better than 22nd or 24th. I just think FSU is getting so much. I just think FSU's lineup is so much better than people think it's going to be. and Because, you know, people will write, Florida State has a good pitching staff. Florida State has as much power pitching staff as they've ever had. But there's question marks. And there are question marks. There's question marks with defense, question marks with strikeouts. But Florida State's going to get on base, and they're going to hit home runs this year. And they're going to have one of the most experienced lineups in the entire nation. And I think they're going to be able to do more dynamic things than they've been able to do in recent years with their lineup, with meat, you know, wanting to be more aggressive, wanting to get, you know, guys moving on base pass, which is going to cause havoc for for other defenses as well. And Florida State's just – they're just not going to play as bad of defense as they did last year. They're just – it's just – you know, they're just going to get more consistent, I think, and bringing back so those same guys for the most part in your starting lineup, you're going to get more consistency. And then Florida State's – you know, you lose your top two weekend starters and you lose Velez, who is your Swiss Army knife. But, you know, I just don't think there's going to be a drop-off between C.J. Van Eyck and Parker Messick. Now, I don't think Parker Messick is as talented or as powerful as, as C.J. Van Eyck was, but Parker Messick is a he's – I mean, he's a bulldog on the mound. He's going to be efficient. He's going to throw strikes. And guys just don't make hard contact against him. And I think he's going to be just as good as a Friday night starter. You know, you got a guy like Doug Kirkland who wasn't even a pitcher last year, really, and he's going to be a back-end guy for you that's dominant, that has 
three good pitches, and they're all powerful. You know, you have you have the veterans like Chase Haney and Clayton Kwiatkowski. I mean, you just there's a lot of good things about Florida State this year, and there's just not 23 teams that are better than Florida State. I mean, I read something that said, you know, Florida State wasn't a patient enough team last year. Well, guess what? Florida State was third in the nation in walks, so I don't know where you get that from, but Florida State, there are questions about defense. There are questions about strikeouts, but there's just so many more positives that, you know, I just – there's and there's also not seven teams in the ACC that are better than Florida State. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. And Baseball America did have FSU ninth, and, and that – that's more of what we feel in our hearts, <laughs> that this is a top 10 FSU baseball team. But Brett, I mean, solidly, what, 10 to 15 range you would be comfortable with? I would have, if I was ranking FSU right now, I'd say 12 to 15 with a real shot at being a super regional team if they, you know, if their starting pitching can live up to its potential. And if they're, and if the defense is just average, then that's a, it's a super regional team, in my opinion. But, you know, I just don't think this is a, a team that's scratching the top 25 that they should they shouldn't be at any point in the regular season it should be a team that's firmly in the top 25 i think the pitching staff is like i said earlier what gives me confidence um we've seen in college baseball right uh that pitching staffs can kind of save i don't save is not the right word they can carry your your baseball team um mostly out west right you look at like cal state fullerton's and like uclas at times and like their offenses are not great they have a few hitters that can do damage but um their pitching staffs are so good and tennessee comes to mind too uh in the sec one year where they had a really good rotation and a really good bullpen not a great offense but they were still like still a top 15 team because of that in college baseball brett and you know this well if you can pitch you've got a chance like shoot man in baseball if you can pitch at any level, you got a chance. And I think this FSU team, I am really high on what they can do in the starting rotation and the guys that they have left over that are not starters, what they can do is bullpen arms. And you know what? I think only time will tell. And maybe by April, we'll be able to have a, a better gauge on how good Florida State is. Well, my thing is just that, I mean, we hit on this a little bit before that FSU's pitching staff is going to keep them in any game. And that's because even if a starter has a bad start, they can, Florida State's coaching staff can have a quick hook with basically anybody and bring in another quality arm you know if you have a parker messick starting and you know parker doesn't have his stuff for one day you take him out and you can throw in another guy that would probably be starting at a lot of other power five a lot of other power five schools and you know people i mean we had florida state last year was 10 and 5 at one point and scratching that top 25 but florida state i mean every single loss florida state had last year was a one-run loss and every single one of them was because of errors. And so Florida State had a, a run differential last year in 17 games of plus 77. So, I mean, this team was one run, five runs away from being 17 and 0 and with an 80, like 82 run differential. So, I mean, it's 24. Come on. That's all I got to say. Yeah, Brett, you're 21 now. You need a drink. Oh, I'm good for now. Okay. I'm good for now. I've got to drive home. <laughs> yeah, so we'll find out. And I think this has been the case, though, with FSU the last few years, right? Like, they don't get the love that they deserve in the rankings. And Preseason then, rankings mean nothing. Right. It seems like in May, every year, Florida State turns it up a notch. And so I actually don't think this FSU baseball team will be in the same position that they were the last few years. Um, and I don't think last year's team would have been in the same position because I actually think through 17 games, Florida State was – was starting to turn the corner there in the last week, as you saw that you know beating the Gators on their home, uh, on their home field. Uh, Brett, who was the team that shut down McKeithen Stadium with the win? Florida you, State. Do you remember that? Yeah. Was that a Florida sh- State? Was it a shutout? It was a shutout. Was it Parker Messick it on fun. the mound? Did Velez shove? <sighs> Velez was so good that game. Did Gator fans go home? Sad? In my opinion, Velez will be the hardest pitcher for FSU to replace. Is that the number one team in the country that they did that to on their home turf? I think so. Florida had a soft schedule last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, just, I'm just saying. So this Florida State baseball team, I think, has a lot of upside. And um, the love from the national media, I think, will come as they figure out exactly what the Seminoles have. Uh, we want to preview some of these position groups. And, and starting with the outfield, it should be a lot of fun to watch Florida State, who have uh, a lot of draftable players out there. There's some talent, especially – 
in its starting uh, outfield. And one of those players, Robbie Martin, who had an excellent year a season ago, is is primed to have just an incredible junior season in Tallahassee, was able to sit down with Brett and give us his take on the 2021 season. I guess first off, Robbie, how ready are you to get back to some sort of normalcy with the baseball season coming up here? And, you know, you guys just got the schedule. And I just guess what sort of a level of excitement are you guys at right now? Yeah, I think, I mean, to speak for the team, I think we're all very excited to get back out there and get this thing back going. We don't really know yet how much, how, like you said, normal season is going to be to this season. But, yeah, we're all very excited out there, you know, amped up even during practice right now, just getting to see live bats uh, here recently. So as a team, as a team, we're all very excited. Yes, you got some of that normalcy over the summer when you played in the Florida Collegiate Summer League. I guess how important was it for you to play in the summer and get just be able to see live pitching throughout the time? Yeah, for me during the summer, it was, I think it was very important. Just like you said, getting to see live pitching. I think baseball is a very uh, repetition-based sport, so it's a uh, pretty tough to go out there and not really get to see any get to see any live arms. And just having that feeling of playing games it's a whole lot different than just being home and taking batting practice and things like that. So I think it was important important for me to keep up that repetition. You know, you played with a lot of Florida guys on that team with and, and Reese as well, but I guess what was it just, what was the experience like playing with a bunch of Gators and then also sharing an outfield with Judd and Reese? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun uh, having a, having a summer team like that of that caliber with really good, really good guys. It seemed like we almost had every, everybody on Florida staff. So had a, had a really good summer team. Uh, I think it was a lot of fun being rivals of those guys during the season and competing against them and just being able to play on the play on the same field as them during the summer was very fun and get to learn from them and how they do things where they're at and how things are different. So I think it was very fun. And then uh, being able to share outfield with Reese, who I get to play with every day here and uh, Judd Fabian as well as another great outfielder in Florida. So it was a lot of fun just being able to play on that caliber of a team. Yeah, you guys got your schedule recently and you, you still have that Florida matchup even with everything that's going on and you've got those non-conference games. I guess how excited are you to be able to play Florida again? And I guess what's the feeling like now that you guys have a win under your belt against those guys after so many losses in a row? Yeah, uh, I'd say it's almost almost a relief feeling. Uh finally being able to be the team for a while there that just to get that win out of the way. And I think we're looking forward to playing them this year, you know, too. I think we're playing them twice. Uh, the game in Jacksonville is going to happen. But, uh, yeah, we want to play those guys as many times as we can throughout the season. So I'm looking forward forward to it, and hopefully we can get two more wins this season from them. You know, you've had a lot of good moments on the baseball field. You know, you want to stay titled Jefferson in high school. You played in the College World Series. You had that you robbed that homer at Florida, I guess. What's been the best moment for you on a baseball field growing up? Uh it has to be Omaha. Just being able to get back there to Omaha. Um I would like to say every every game leading up to Omaha in the playoffs, my first first year as a freshman and being able to get that experience of those playoff games and what it takes to get to Omaha. Uh it was, you know, awesome, an awesome experience, something you dream of growing up. And um you know, we're looking forward to making that run again this year and making it all the way and hopefully going farther than what we did my freshman year. How frustrating was that College World Series for you? I mean, I think you had a lot of hard hit balls that it just seemed like nothing would fall for you guys. And especially for you, I remember you had a couple of balls to the opposite field that basically got almost all the way to the fence that just landed in the glove. I guess just that experience and not being able to see balls falls. What was that like for you guys as a team and for you individually? Yeah, going into Omaha, we uh, we knew it was going to be tough. You got the best teams you're going facing up against every game in Omaha. Uh, so we have we would have loved as a team to you know get those get those hits and get the bats going. Uh, unfortunately, it just didn't happen. But I think I think things this this time around be a little bit different. And uh, yeah, it was just just unfortunate an unfortunate time in Omaha. You know, with the bats coming off from uh, Georgia and Baton Rouge being really hot at the plate 
as a team and just weren't able to really get it get it going at the plate in Omaha. I guess coming that close in the College World Series and then losing your season last year, how hungry does that make you guys as a team going into this season? Yeah, I think very hungry as a team. Um, you know, last season kind of with the whole being cut short, we didn't really get to really get going, I feel like, as a team. Had uh, a couple guys that weren't really swinging it too well. And then, you know, last week swung it very well and finally got it going. And uh, just that cut off of not really getting to showcase how good of a team we really were uh, or leading up to be, I think is going to be huge for us this year. And we want to really show how not, not only how good we are on the mound with all the arms we have, but as well as at the plate as a, as a defensive group, as offensive group is, and uh, yeah, just, show everybody how great we are. You just brought it up a little bit about how good this pitching staff is. I guess just, you know, you face them so many times this fall. How tough are they to face on an everyday basis? And I guess, is there a certain guy that's always giving you trouble or is there a certain pitch on this staff that you just think is one of the best in the nation? Yeah, I would, I would say our pitching staff is definitely the best in the nation. I believe, uh, you know, getting to go out there and face them every day. You really get to see that and see how good they really are. Um, yeah, I would say it's not, it's not the most fun experience having to go out there and face those guys every day, but it's, it's also very, very, uh, I would say it's great for learning as an offensive player. You want to face those guys. And uh, I think if you can hit, if I can hit our guys every day, you know, it's, it's great great news for what's going to happen during the season when I think our guys are the best, best pitchers staff in the nation. Um, uh, for me, I would say it's always been Bryce Hubbard, Bryce Hubbard. Every, every time I'll, I'm pretty sure I don't have a hit against him since he's been here, but uh, yeah. we faced, we faced each other a lot. And, and yeah, I mean, he turned, he really turns it on every time we go up, go up against one another. He's just, just another one name to our pitching staff that's just as tough as anybody else. You know, a part of the, a part of the extended break that you guys had for you was, you know, a weight drop. And I know that was really important for you. I guess, why was that so important for you? And where has it made the biggest difference for you so far? Oh, uh, yeah, I'd say it was important for me just, um, you know, only really playing 17 games in the outfield last year, not not getting to know what a full season in the outfield really feels like and uh, going this summer, you know, still doing our uh, strength and conditioning workouts. Um, and as on top of playing, you know, helped a little bit with that weight drop and just really wanted to get in better condition overall and get ready to play a full season in the outfield potentially. Um, so I think that's where, that's where it kind of came from the most. And I've, I've definitely noticed the, the most impact with uh, just how easy it is kind of to move around in the outfield and mobility and conditioning wise is, is a whole lot easier for me. I feel like than than what it was before. How much better. And I guess how much more confident are you now in the outfield versus when you first got to campus at Florida state? Oh, I would say for me, it's night and day. Uh, I feel, feel a whole lot better, you know, not really, having too much experience with a high level coach that worked with me in the outfield before getting to campus. So as soon as I got here, you know, working with T Holt, T Holt in the outfield, T Holt is probably a master in the outfield and uh, gets, gets all of us on the same page. And I've seen even from last year, even from sophomore year till now, I've seen a, a huge difference in the outfield with the things I can do and, you know, just just working with him every day has just made me as well as everybody else in the outfield probably the best outfielder they can be. I guess and what, continue working still, yeah, growing. You know, you you played under eleven, and now you played under Meet as a head coach. What what was the biggest difference you you felt in these last two years between eleven and Meet as a head coach? Uh, for me, I feel like tempo is definitely definitely one thing. I really uh, realized that Meat really wanted to work on and and focused on a whole lot as soon as he came in. 
uh, whether that's even just in practice, you know, that's something he really preaches with us is, you know, working on tempo and trying to beat the team uh, mentally, you know, it's, it's hot here in Florida. And that's one thing he, he stressed upon us is get out there and don't make it, don't make yourself look like you're tired, even though you, you may be tired, just that's going to, you know, we're going to wear and tear on teams that way. And, and uh, it's definitely, it's definitely worked. I think our team is definitely one of the best conditions condition teams as well. And yeah, it's something, that's something he really stressed upon us. You know, me, a lot, a big thing for me has been aggressiveness at the plate and, you know, not letting the good pitches yep. go by and, and he kicks you guys out of the box, even at practices, I guess. How do you feel like that's starting to work for yourself and just the team as a whole as well? Yeah, uh, it definitely gets our bats going. Uh, you know, we have those, we have, we tend to have some days wherever, you know, you get up to the plate, you're, you're not really in it and you're taking pitches and yep. You know, he'll send, he'll send you out a lot out of the box right there. So I think it, it stresses and lets us see, you know, get up there and get, be ready, you know, be ready to hit. And, you know, that's something that we're definitely going to do when the season starts is we're all up there hunting fastballs. And if we get our pitch, we're going to do damage. So it's, it's a good way, I believe, to get everybody going and uh, get everybody on the same page at the plate. You know, you, you had a lot of power success in, success in high school. I remember, you know, being from the Tampa area and, you know, you had four homers as a freshman, but you didn't have any last year in the shortened season, I guess. How important is it for you to, like, add that power of production as the last piece of the puzzle? But how do you do it while not getting away from your, your normal swing? Yeah, that's something I've definitely worked on. And I feel like that that's something that just comes comes with learning and comes with getting stronger and stuff that we do in the, in the weight room with Jamie, our strength coach. Um, you know, homers, T. Holt tells me all the time, you know, homers, homers are thrown. You know, you're not – you don't go out of your way to, you know, to hit homers. So it's it's a mistake from the pitcher most, majority of the time. So I think something just – just sticking to my approach and trying to make trying to make a uh, hard contact uh barrel barrel to the ball is something that's as long as you know I've gotten I've gotten stronger as well so I think that's something that's going to play play a role in it and not trying to change my swing to make make homers happen you know Reese and Elijah were both draft eligible guys last year and they probably both would have gone if there was a full draft, I guess, just how excited are you? Have, how excited are you to have both of those guys back in the outfield with you? And just how good do you guys think you can be as, as a group and be one of the best in the country? Yeah, I'm very excited as personally and, you know, for the team, I think those guys make a huge difference. You got Reese who's been here longer than both of us and has that experience with, you know, with all the coaching staff as well as um, with other guys and has been here to, to play more games than we have in the outfield. And he's kind of our leader out there in the outfield and uh, behind T Holt, um, Elijah, who's another huge threat at the plate, especially with the power that he has as well as Reese, you know? Um, so I think just having those two guys back, and knowing they have the experience of playing and playing in the outfield um, is huge for us. Uh, yeah, and just both of them in the lineup is just a huge threat. You know, you can put them put them anywhere in the lineup, and you know, Reese was just coming along too at the at the cutoff of that season. You know, last game last game we played, I'm pretty sure he had two homers. Uh, so he was just getting going. I'm looking forward to seeing seeing that translate all throughout the all throughout the year this year, as well as Elijah. What's the thing that you're looking forward to the most about year three at FSU? And I guess, how confident are you that you guys can get back to Omaha? Yeah, for me, what I'm looking forward to the most is always, you know, going back to Omaha. I think that's the goal for us this year. And I think we definitely have the team and the, the lineup to, to do it as well as the pitching staff to do it. But yeah, I'd say for, for me, and I'm probably speaking for the, the rest of the team, you know, hopefully is uh, their number one goal is getting back to Omaha. You know, that's what we've been working hard out there all fall and all now leading up, getting ready for the season is, you know, finishing in Omaha. 
All right, I appreciate Robbie being able to join the show there. And uh, Brett, great job on the interview. Look, he's a really good player, and he has steadily been getting better, I think, in his career. Uh, we mentioned in past podcasts that um, he has worked really hard this offseason to drop some of the, the bad weight, to get a little bit leaner, um, to become lighter on his feet. How do you think that's going to propel him into his junior year? Yeah, I just think that you know, Robbie's progression as a fielder the last two, as an outfielder, has been one of the more impressive things I've seen from a Florida State player since, I, since I've been around the program. Um, you know, just his freshman year, he was DH, and last year he was mostly an outfielder, but he still struggled some. And then this fall, I thought he looked like a, he really looked like an everyday MLB outfielder, and he was cutting off balls, his left, his right, making big time throws, making big big time plays up against the fence. And I think a lot of that's been the weight drop. A lot of a lot of that's been Tyler Holt, and um, you know, the weight drop should also loosen up his swing a little bit and let him get a little more active on the base pass. And that was something we saw this fall was he was starting to really try to make a difference on the base pass as well as with his bat. And, you know, just if, if Robbie can start to open up his power, it's, it's, a, it's an X factor for FSU. And if he can turn some doubles, some gap balls into balls that are, he's pulling over that fence in right field, you know, it will be, I think he's, just, he's got a big year ahead of him, I think. I feel like he's a trendy uh, draft guy right now for for a lot of people. They think that the the hit tool really plays, right, because he makes a lot of contact, um, and he does such a great job um, being able to control the the, the strike zone. Um, his first year, he hit 315. Last year, he hit 324. I think we've seen someone that I think I can safely expect him to hit in the 300s this year. Yeah. Um, some extra power. He's a doubles guy over a home run guy, but I think, like you said, he's going to open himself up with the work that he's put in to be able to have some bigger power numbers. Uh, are we looking at an all-American type of player in Robbie Martin? Yeah, it's especially especially if he can get to that power and start to bring up his OPS a little more and get that slugging percentage up a little more. You know, last year he brought his. He looked a lot. I think he, last year his approach was better at the plate. Um, you know, his, his OPP was up a lot, and he was starting to walk more, and some of that had to do with his position in the batting order and that's something else that I think will really play in his favor this year where he's got a lot of guys around him where you know he might get pitched around some but guys also have to come to him with fastballs at times so I think Robbie will just be able to take advantage of his spot in the lineup and maybe we start to see those homers come you know even just five plus would be really helpful or you know if he could get almost near that 10 range that'd be really helpful for Florida State this year and then you have of course uh probably the face right now of Florida State baseball, at least in the lineup, uh, Reese Albert, right? Um, this is a guy who's played a lot of baseball and a lot of games for Florida State, and he's been a part of some big-time teams. I know his freshman year, um, Florida State went to Omaha. He hit two sixty eight that year, but it felt like he had some big-time moments, uh, seven home runs, and and had some, and some crucial moments. I know the ACC tournament was a big tournament for him that year. And then, of course, his sophomore year, he plays through – uh, just a brutal shoulder injury that that he had to fight a lot just to kind of stay um, on in the lineup, right? I know the doctors wanted him to to kind of sit it out, but he wouldn't do it. Um, still had nearly ten home runs, and of course the uh, the weekend he had at LSU will be remembered forever um, by all Seminole fans. This uh, last year, I felt like he started off really slowly, but that was because. He had just missed a lot of time, and there were a lot of at-bats that he did not get in the, sp- in the summer and in the fall um, to be able to be up to, up to speed. But then we started to see the Reese Albert that I think we were going to expect, right? Like he hit a couple of home runs there in the final week of the season before the pandemic shut everything down. He's primed, I think, Brett, to, to challenge for ACC Player of the Year type of year. I, like, I think he's that good. And you were, in your articles on Tomahawk Nation, you were talking about in the fall how dominant he looked just against anyone Florida State ran at him. The power's there. He's healthy. He's a he's a solid defender at center field in the outfield. Um, I think I think Reese Albert's gonna put himself into that. Uh, what is it? The the um, the Ramsey mold, the Tyler Holt mold. I think he's got a chance, man. I really do. I just I think he's in store for a monster year. I think you could look at maybe Drew Mendoza's numbers his last year at Florida State with you know. I think he's got just as much power potential as 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 Drew did as Drew had his senior year with 16 homers. I think you're looking at 10 plus for sure for for Reese, and you know you could have a ceiling of 15 plus. 
but um, just a little less um, walks and a little less plate discipline than Drew, but there's still that potential. I think I think when Reese is healthy, he can hit 300. Um, I mean, he hit 283 his sophomore year when for probably half those games he played, he had one shoulder basically. So I think he's going to strike out a lot less this season than he did last year. Just wasn't seeing fastballs. He just wasn't wasn't able to get his bat around fastballs early last season. But he still had a 900 plus OPS last year. When for what it seemed like the first, you know, even those first basically 12 games of the season, it just seemed like he wasn't himself and he didn't look like himself and he he didn't just he just wasn't clicking in yet. But you know, we had an interview with Reese a little in one of our I think it was the second podcast. You know, he's just saying that this is really the first time. This fall was the first time since his so- earliest sophomore year that he ever even felt like himself in the batter's box. And, you know, Reese is also, in my opinion, a really good defender in center field. He might, he's not as rangy as a J.C. Flowers, but he's still smooth out there, and he may not have as big of an arm as J.C., but he's still a guy that will glide around there, glide around out there and make it look effortless in center field. And, you know, he's just he's just the leader of that entire position group and the entire all the all the hitters, really. And they and he's just a guy that's he's he's locked in this year, his last year of leverage in the draft. So I just think he's in for a really big year. Yeah, I think that is a really good breakdown by you there, because he's also like got the intangibles. You know, he's been on some teams that have been through everything. You know, they've struggled at times and they've come back. They've had he's been a part of teams that have been really good and didn't live up to to expectations the way that that he probably thought that they should um Reese Albert is going to be a catalyst for the offense and I think as he goes um the the personality of that Florida State lineup will go as well we talked about Drew Mendoza power numbers um one player that was on pace to really destroy power numbers was Elijah Cabell last year seven home runs in just 17 games we know what we get out of Elijah uh, a lot of strikeouts. He is uh, not afraid to let a rip on anything, and it could be he just feels like it in that certain pitch that he just wants to to give it a go. Um, but we started to see some better patience. I thought he started to see breaking balls a little bit more efficiently uh, out of the hand of the pitcher last year, and it allowed him to uh, really keep his hands back at times and go the other way with the baseball. Um, what do you th- expect out of Cabell? I know he didn't really... He didn't really play a lot in the fall, so he could be a little bit behind in terms of just the number of at bats and pitches that he's seen, just to kind of stay in, in you know, staying fresh and staying uh, up to par. As baseball is a year-round sport, really, for those who who want to stay in form. Um, but I think it's safe to say Elijah Cabell could be expected to hit fifteen to twenty home runs. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with a full season for Elijah, and if he's healthy. He's a guy that is, I mean, on a 28, 20 to 80 scout scale for, I mean, for power, it's it, it's an 80. It's it's raw power is 80. You watch his BP and it, it's it's just true light tower power. And it's kind of funny to watch. I mean, it's literally just freaking bomb after bomb when he's hitting BP. And, you know, that's in there. It's in there with every swing. He doesn't even have to swing big to do it. But, you know, I think Elijah, will. he'll still strike out. But I think we'll still see that start to come down with the way that meat wants guys to approach the, uh, have the approach at the plate. You know, Elijah's problem. I don't think Elijah's problem is the fact he's chasing a ton of pitches. Elijah's problem with strikeouts, I think are actually because of how he sometimes approaches pitches that he should be swinging at early in the count. And sometimes he'll let pitches get away from him that, you know, he could avoid a two strike count, just get himself in more favorable counts. And I think he'll really do damage this year. You don't need Elijah to hit 300. Just if Elijah can give you 250, you know, with an OBP around 450 and he's going to hit 20 homers in that four spot, I mean, he's going to drive in a ton of runs for you. He's going to hit a bunch of homers. And he's just a guy that pitchers are going to be scared of. Pitchers are just scared to pitch to him. Um, You know, just don't strike out in the big moments where, you know, you've got guys. Just He's just got to be able to learn. And last year, I think... We saw him starting to learn a little bit when to cut it back, when to get, just know when guys need to be drove in compared to you know when we need that home when you need that home run swing. So I just think with his maturation as a baseball player that he's going to have a, a really good season in his junior year. Yeah, and you know what? It's going to be ironic when I think you'll have two, three, four in that lineup. Be the three outfielders. Like I think that's the way Florida State's probably going to opt. 
Um, you probably have maybe what? Uh, uh, I, I think I think I think I think it could be three, four, five. Yeah. Just because I think Meat likes the lefty righty, lefty righty, and you know, with Tyler Martin leading off, most likely, then you put Nelly at that that second spot, and you lefty righty, lefty righty. So, but either way, I mean, either way works, and I think all those guys fit in all those spots. But either way, the outfield is. In my opinion, that outfield, that starting outfield, should be competing for best outfield in the country, not just the ACC. I mean, it's just really good, and you know they're going to be in the heart of the lineup in one way or another. Yeah, and I think any lineup has to have a middle of the order, right? That is really good, and um, I think those guys uh, definitely um, have the ability to be a dangerous lineup, a dangerous middle of the order for Florida State. All right, give me some names, uh, other players in the outfield that could get some at-bats and fight for some quality uh, moments for the Knowles. Yeah, so Casey Asman is obviously competing for, out, um, I mean, first base spot as well, but he's a natural outfielder, and he's a guy that I thought in that just a f- few looks that he looked really good in the outfield and that um, he, you could see him compete for some spot starts in the outfield to give some guys a DH day or just a day of rest. Um, Isaiah Perry will be a guy that could come in for defense, could come in for to run the bases, He's a kid that is just he, he could wreck a lot of havoc just if he puts a ball in play too just in a pinch hit situation or something like that. Um, AJ Shaver, the freshman, was FSU's highest rated position player to get to campus. Really toolsy kid has all the tools in the book has potential to be a five five tool kid, but he's just a little raw right now and he needs he needs a little time I think to be an everyday player. But he's a kid that in the future could be really good for FSU and then. Just the veteran Nico Baldor is also out there working for those with those guys, and you know he's a guy that you know getting him back is big for the locker room and good for the culture of that team. So he's also an important guy in my opinion. Maybe not be the biggest factor on the field every day, but you know he's doing he's doing good work in the locker room. All right, and so let's wrap up here quickly. Um, COVID season, um, we're still in a pandemic. It has affected football. It's affected basketball. Um, there's actually now like a British strain, a United Kingdom version of the the coronavirus that actually shut down all of Michigan, Michigan's activities, all sports for two weeks. Um, and there are some people that are worried that this is going to get into uh, baseball season and softball season. Um, what do we expect, Brett? I mean, we got 49 games. Do they play all 49? Are they able to, to get all 49 and uh, talk a little bit about testing and and what is the requirements for being able to, to get a game through? I mean, I hope they play all the games, but the chances of them playing all the games, I'm sure, are not – I mean, it's not 100%. Um, you know, you may have a midweek game or a series, and but it, it's just – it seems like a lot of it's just going to depend on the flexibility of teams. And, you know, Florida State's got a deep roster, and I think they should be able to get through a season and just be able to have enough guys available m- most of the time to play games. Um I believe right now they're testing once a week, and I'm I'm guessing they'd go. They're going to go to more testing in season. Um, but so far, what I've heard is a requirement the ACC coaches have agreed to, agreed upon is just having two co- has two catchers available and ten pitchers, and you you know you make the rest of it work as best as you can. Um, and then you know Florida State's planning on having I believe twelve hundred people in the stands. Um, I believe that's like 18% or something of capacity. So it'll definitely be a different look at Dick Hauser, this stadium, but as long as there's baseball being played, it's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think it's similar to basketball season, right? Try and find a way to get it through. Let's get to the tournament. Let's get to the to regional time. And um, I think if we're playing college world series and, and Omaha is, is, is available as a venue again, and they're able to figure out a way to do that. Um, you can consider this a, a major success for college baseball, but Florida state baseball is just three weeks away now. Um, February 19th, the first game against UNF and we cannot wait. Uh, we would like for you guys to share this podcast if you can with your friends. Um, we are on Apple pods, Google pods, and Spotify amongst, uh, some other, um, different podcast streaming devices. You can find us on Twitter at Sunday golds and, uh, please email us Sunday at gmail.com.
Com. All right, so uh, we're, we're going to be a little more regular here uh, with this podcast as season is kicking in, and uh, you can expect more episodes from us, hopefully at least once a week, maybe twice a week, uh, as we get closer and closer to uh, Dick Hauser Stadium turning on the lights and the Knowles playing some baseball on the diamond. All right, Brett, well, uh, good work from you today, and uh, thanks to, to Madison Social again uh, for those shirts. Uh, please do uh, try and grab some of those. That helps our podcast out as well and we will see you uh next time on this episode and hopefully at the park at dick hauser stadium until then aria and brett signing off we'll talk to you soon